question for the class. Who's gayer? Catra or Bobby Drake from X-Men? Teacher. Iceman. Teacher, teacher, teacher. Yes, what is, yes, what Amber, is gay Amber mean? What is, what's gay? Well, gay is like, have you ever like looked at a potted plant and went, I want a lot of these in my house. Or like <laughs> walking down a historic downtown and you saw a little shop with a bunch of witch stuff in it. And we're like, ooh, I want all of this in my house. Uh, or have you ever been thinking about trains and like, God, I love trains. All of that, that, that feeling. <laughs> That's gay. It doesn't have anything to do with having sex with people. Nope, nothing. Not a, not a single thing about um, sex. Teacher, it's, it's, it's yes. What's X Men? X Men is a series of comic books published by Marvel that was very. Really, Hi everybody! Welcome to Original Podcast. Do not steal the weekly show in which every week Devin and I, and sometimes a guest, take your favorite and/or least favorite franchises, intellectual properties, hopes, dreams, ideas, and we make an original character in that space. Um, and today we're going to be talking about X Men. Um, no, we're not. We're doing an X Men. I have so many thoughts about doing an X Men episode. I've actually been planning like we're gonna do like a how we do an X Men, and then we're gonna do like we make our class of X Men, and then a later we're gonna have a Ooh, guest to come on to eventually really cool. change how they'd do our class of X Men oh, because when you're making really cool. characters in comic books, you don't own them. Someone else is gonna do something with them, and that would just be wonderful. But this we'll do really the X Men episode one of these season days. Three. It's a good idea. In um uh, today we have a special guest with us, Charles. Um, what's your name? Who are you? Tell us about yourself in as much detail as you would like to. I think you answered one of those questions. I don't but, think I did. Um, anyway, uh, hi, I'm Charles. I'm a musician, songwriter, amateur screenwriter, gardener, um, friend of Amber Adams. Oh, so you see a lot of potted plants and you think I want to have those potted plants, huh? Yeah, sometimes I do. <laughs> um, it's, it's a normal feeling. Um... I'm in two bands. The first one is called Gregular. Um, Amber Autumn is our biggest fan. It's true. She's our only fan. That's not true. Uh, we're on OnlyFans. No, we're not. <laughs> just kidding. Um, my other project is called Cancer and Capricorn. We just put out an album in July called Ordinary Time. I'm pretty happy with it. Aside from that, I just go to work and watch cartoons. I really do recommend that everybody do listen to both Gregular and Cancer and Capricorn. I'm not like a Gregular's biggest fan on account of being their friend. I am their biggest fan on account of uh, they make really good music and you can listen to it for zero dollars and zero cents on the streaming platform of your choice. What are we actually here to talk about today, Charles? You picked the topic. You picked it because it was important to you. Talk to us about it. Um, yeah, today I think we're going to talk about She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. Um, I got into this show during the, the lockdown. Um, we have a mutual friend who really likes it, and uh, she was recommending it to me, so I was like, sure, I'll watch it. Um, I liked it. Rewatched it again more recently. Still liked it a lot. Um, don't think it's perfect. I think I'd be a little more critical than most diehard fans, but this is not a review show. It is um, not. So we'll save that for the bonus features. Um, I think most of our best episodes yeah. have been about things that we don't necessarily have unbridled, uncomplicated joy for. Yeah, but I like do have a lot. Like the Dark Universe episodes. Like the Dark Universe episodes. Yeah, I do have a lot of love for She-Ra, especially um, one specific character in She-Ra, but we can get to that later. Um, one thing I really, really liked about this show, like from a writing perspective, I it, it went into a lot of interesting, I think, morals not the, like the right word for it, because I don't think this is like a very preachy show. But like a lot of interesting like ethical areas, I think when because there wasn't really a burden 
to make all characters likable or make all characters completely right all the time, like in a lot of other kind of, you know, shows for kids. So I really liked that characters were allowed to be flawed, allowed to make mistakes, and the show never excused them, but it always kind of made room for that, and it made, I think it made it really more satisfying when a lot of those characters finally did, you know, make it, you know, see what, what was wrong and what was right. Um, I thought that was really interesting, especially for, like, you know, Catra and, and Trapta and uh, Scorpia and all those. Um, and I, I like how unabashedly gay it is, too. That's always a plus. Um, I like the overall art style. Um, and, yeah, it's just, just a good, solid show. Um, now, you you don't have any experience with the, the older shows, the old-school She-Ra, old-school He-Man, new-school He-Man. No, not outside of memes. Devin, I know that you do have some experiences with those things. So I am an enormous He-Man fan. I've been <laughs> I've been threatening Amber with making He-Man content together since we had the YouTube channel. <laughs> and but here here he is. The, Today's your day, Devin. Today no, because here's the thing. Here's the thing. She-Ra and the Princess of Power is a show that is so good. Like, I went into season one being like, I can't wait for them to drop a reference to Adam and, like, the parallel universe he comes from. And then I get to the end of season two, and I'm like, I never need them to bring up He-Man. It would be low-key disrespectful if they did, because She-Ra and the Princess of Power is a show that can stand on its own two feet. And low-key, it's kind of the best version of He-Man, because, like, the key conceit of He-Man, the wellspring to which the idea comes from, like the key conception of the toy when they were designing it was they had a bunch of kids in testing groups and they found that the thing kids liked was having power. That's why He-Man's catchphrase is, I have the power. It's about empowering kids, right? And so if you're doing a He-Man, you have to answer the central question of what is power? And most of the time they kind of forget to do that, but she... <laughs> And she and the Princess of Power does that. And it's as simple as like, my friends are my power. Let's do some shonen action anime. But you did it. You did the thing. You're kind of the best version of it. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't just stand on its own feet. It flies with its own wings, too. Yep. So I, I've seen like, I don't know, like two seasons of the show, maybe. Like not like, like I have enough to have like a passing, like awareness of the characters and the like general conceit of the plot. And, like, obviously, um, I'm trans, and so I'm, like, aware, uh, like, of the show on, like, a mimetic level. A passing casual um, a fondness for it. But I I think this is mostly going to be probably the two of you. I'm wondering, uh, to, to get us started, if one of you wants to take the reins and tell us what She-Ra is. Devin, I'll, I'll let you go if you want to. Okay, She-Ra and the Princesses of Power is a story about two girls who just can't admit they love each other and kind of make every <laughs> and make it everyone in the kingdom's problem. That is so true. Okay, Charles, do you want to try it now, but better than that? Yeah, so She-Ra and the Princesses of Power is about uh, basically, yeah, two friends. One's named Adora, one is named Katra. Adora finds this super cool-ass sword in the middle of the forest that turns her into an epic uh, eight-foot-tall warrior woman named She-Ra, and she defects from the evil horde that she was serving to join some, like, rebels. Um, sorry, rebels is the wrong word. It makes me think of Star Wars all the time. But yeah, basically rebels who are trying to fight the horde. Catra stays with the horde, 
um, and makes some bad choices, but in the end also joins the rebels and they 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 stop the eviler person at the top of the horde from doing anything worse. And uh, and yeah, they fall in love, and uh, it's very nice. This is like kind of like a general like high fantasy sort of like a. Uh, the rebels versus the evil yeah. empire story, but filtered specifically through the lens of like one lieutenant on each side who are in love with each other. Yeah, I, I say more. Sorry, more sci-fi than fantasy, but there's some okay. fancyish stuff in there like magic too. So I, I mean, so I, this this is an element that I think we often come across in this show is that like the stuff that is important to know about a franchise when you're making a character. Like, you know, it's thematics and it's it's dramatics and it's all of these, like, character fundamentals. Um, there's also, uh, like, a lot that you need to know, especially about, like, setting and world building. Like, I, with, like, some passing familiarity, like, I know, you know, you have, there's princesses, right? And there's, like, a, a unicorn. And so, like, I see mm. these things and I think, like, oh, this is a fantasy world. Uh, and and you you feel differently. You would argue that this has more sci-fi. Tell me about this world. Tell me about the world of Shira. Um, Devin, do you want to, or should I? Um, hmm. Let me collect my thought because I'm. It's a. The difficulty is like Shira, like as we have said, like it's better than just like He Man, but it exists under the banner of like the He Man franchise. So I want I'm constantly going to be like He Man, and I will be speaking about like the franchise at large. But the thing He Man does is it's like. Star Wars is a science fantasy. It is a fantasy story with the trappings of science fiction. He-Man does the inverse. It's a bunch of sci-fi stories with, like, the trappings of sword and sorcery. Like, He-Man looks like a barbarian. There are, as Amber stated, there's princesses and sword fights. Uh, but there's also, like, ray guns and spaceships. And the story of, like, the evil horde is about an interstellar galactic overlord. Uh <laughs> which is far more of a sci-fi trope. Um, uh, most of, like, the the tech... Like, it's old ones tech. Like, they're discussing ancient technology that was lost, which is, like... It, again, it's doing, like, a... Like, a like a, like the fantasy trope is, like, all of the best weapons were made a thousand years ago by ancient elves, and we have to find them again. They're doing that, but about technology. Old ones tech is far more advanced than anything we have now. That's some good Breath of the Wild shit right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's it. Um, so Charles, one thing that I noticed that you've done that I'm so excited about, I love it when guests do this. It's my favorite thing for guests to do. You've brought in a typed sheet of paper with notes on it uh, in preparation for your She-Ra episode. I don't know what's on this sheet of paper. Um, but I do see at the top, it does say a, a Shira OC should. Um, and I think that this is, you know, maybe as we start to think about characters and what a character could and should be like, it sounds like probably a pretty good place to start. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, the... Do we spend a little more time just talking about Shira broadly before we jump into characters? Yeah, if you have more I... to say, please. I'm fine with that, yeah. I do, I do have more things to say. I want to really want to talk about Shira in terms of gay show uh, the thing i find so refreshing about it is i was i'm caught on the word for like man versus environment like sources of tension right the the relationship between catra and adora the will they won't they it's never predicated on like societal pressures you never have to like it's a it's not a homophobic world 
Gay mm-hmm. people are everywhere. Bo has two dads and you just never question it. And it's just so refreshing to have queer joy, but also have it be fucking messy. Because if you don't have to worry about society, then the will they won't they can solely stem from the fundamentals of who Katra and Adora are. Katra, this girl with an abandonment complex who cannot admit to her own faults, and Adora, someone with a hero complex who needs to save everything at every moment, who's accidentally constantly leaving Katra behind and they just can't... The the will they won't they has nothing to do with society and everything to do with them and it's so fun to watch and my favorite character in the entire show is Shadow Weaver I teased that out forever ago and her defining character and I finally get to talk about it because her, fi- her defining characteristic is abusing children that's what she does she's so consistently written and she almost never changes from that but she's so interesting to be around in the way that she like she like she cares for Michael and she cares for Adora and she cares for Katra but in that way of like you're useful to me in this moment and people who say that Shadow Weaver gets like a redemption thing at the end where she does the self-sacrifice pay no she doesn't that that's again Shadow Weaver consistently doing the thing she's always done which is traumatize children <laughs> Making her two failed daughters watch as she dies, knowing that this is going to scar them forever because Shadow Weaver sucks and I love her. Devin, are you are you coming out as pro-child abuse here? I am so pro-child abuse. I get what you mean. When I tell people Catra's my favorite character, people are like, oh, you're, you're like pro-emotional abuse. And I'm like, no, I like how she's written. I think she's interesting that way. I don't support, like anything before season five it is like sort of a, a landmark work of queer television right like like obviously you know pre shira like like your big gay children's tv show is like what you've got like bubbling um uh who gets like like one kiss at the end you get like Okay, hold on. We're not we're not gonna disrespect Bubbling because that no, that I'm... relationship is built out there on the whole thing. But like the the thing you're saying it's is not, like it's before not this, Shira it's... Catra though, or it's not Adora Catra, yeah. though, right? It's like a, yeah, it's like on it's, a different uh... scale. Yeah, like before this, it's like the ending of Korra. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's better than Korra. And I don't know, like I. I, I bring up in the beginning, like, oh, I know about this show because I'm trans is kind of like a, a bit of a flippant thing. But, like, there is something in here that, like, like queer people especially have really latched on to uh, about, like, the way that it absolutely does center an extremely explicitly lesbian relationship as the thing that the show is about for five seasons. Yeah, it's five seasons of will or won't they, will these two girls just say I love you out loud? But, like, it's, there's so much, you know, like, Bo and his relationship to, like, femininity. Because you look at Bo's original design, and it's this, (laughs) it's this ginger motherfucker with the gayest mustache and the tiniest little short shorts. And his entire fucking midriff exposed. He's got a big heart in his chest, and you go, this is very gay. Everything about it. It's like, you know how every Rob Liefeld character, once they get like out of the hands of Rob Liefeld, everyone goes, this character's gay. Cable's gay. <laughs> like, it's like that with He-Man. Like, the, it's been there from the beginning and someone just finally did it. And they turned up the volume to 10 and it rules. 
this is sort of um, an interesting, like, you introduced Shira by talking about power, right? And, like, about what does power look like? What does it mean? What is it, how is it responsible to wield power? Um, like, all of these kinds of questions. And to me, uh, like, I hear those questions and I think, like, politics, right? Like, politics being, like, the distribution of power in society. Uh, and so it's, like, difficult to make a show that's about power without kind of also being about politics and to like make that show explicitly about queerness as well i'm wondering how does the show answer the questions that you've brought up about power what is the show like i know it's about power what does it have to say about power there might not be like a single thesis not every like work has like a like a sentence description of here is you know what i'm about but i'm wondering you know so I haven't, uh, my sheer relationship is I watched it. Like I was there live. I, I was there uh, every season. I was so excited to watch it. So I haven't revisited in quite some time. So this is what I'm going to pull out of a long ago thing. I think what it comes down to is, you know, there's that classic, like I said, shonen action anime bullshit. Like my friends are my source of power, but it's, it's not an accident that the final big bad of Shira isn't like a Christian dude, but he is this monoculture, very like in the guise of relig religigentsia. I said that word fucked up. Uh, who seeks to make everything like him because to divert from his plan, his sort of holy plan, uh, is to be sacrosanct, right? That. It is through the collective efforts of this colorful rainbow to defeat the literal monochromatic white mm -hmm. <laughs> dude who seeks to make the world entirely like him. Yeah, to make the world, quote unquote, pure. Yep. Yeah. But when really he's just threatened by anything that's different. Who's that? I don't know this bad guy. That's that's Horde Pride. So you watch the first two seasons. You remember Hordak, right? Sure, yeah. Okay, so Hordak is, like, the opposable big bad of the first two seasons, but not really. Um, and I have a lot of things to say about Hordak, but we're talking about Horde Prime. So the thing about Hordak that gets revealed is that he was, like, because the thing about Hordak is it's, like, the Horde, right? The evil Horde. Uh, the one he's made on not Eternia, because Eternia is where He-Man takes place. I don't remember the specific of this one specifically, so I am just going to say Eternia for a bit. But on Eternia, the Horde he's made is not the original horde he comes from. He's just trying to recreate it to prove he's not a failure. Uh, but the horde is a series of clones made by Horde Prime to spread his kind of uh, will and self throughout the galaxy. He's this pointy-eared techno vampire looking motherfucker in mm -hmm. a white robe who just uh who just wants the world to all be perfect and flawless and like him that's cool mm -hmm. as fuck. and if he and if it's not perfect he just destroys it it's a good villain he's pretty intimidating yeah i was i was scared of him he's also got four eyes that's a crucial detail <laughs> Devin. i can't believe you left that out he has four eyes he has four eyes cool it's a uh, one eye on one side and then three eyes on the other that's oh that's oh that's so much cooler mm -hmm. than what I was picturing. Also, shout out to the voice actor for Hordak because he plays there's Horde Prime, the overall big bad. There's Hordak, the one we hang out with, and there's not Hordak, who's a Hordak 
copy that Entrapta sees and thinks is the Hordak she has a crush on, but it's just a random one. Um, <laughs> and they all have very different personalities, and that voice actor is giving them all different personalities through his vocal inflection. Mm, mm -hmm. Love good voice he, acting. He did a really great job. And actually, the whole show was very well voice acted, I think, which often I think gets taken for granted. But yeah, this one especially had good, good performances. Um, except maybe for the horse, whose voice isn't that fitting, but whatever. Are we going to make some enemies about the horse? I'm not a big fan of the horse, but we don't have to dwell on that. Can we talk about Charles's list now? I really want to know about this list. Yeah, I'm curious about the list. Oh, these are just things that I, I made for myself. We don't have to adhere to them, like, completely, but, um, just, just a few things that I, I was thinking, like, if I made an OC, this would be part of it. So... If, if this is a character in the world of She-Ra Princesses of Power, specifically in the show, um, they should either have some kind of cool, unique power or like a unique appearance, maybe animal-related, because a lot of people have that going for them. Um, that's that's one point. Should we start with that, or should, do you want to hear the whole I wanna, list? I want to hear the whole list in a row. Um, they should be somewhere on the rainbow. I don't think anyone is confirmed 100% straight. So we should definitely, you know, reflect that. For sure, obviously. Um, they should not just be a catcher recolor. I'd like for them to have an interesting, like, arc that takes them across the good-evil line maybe even more than once, because a lot of my favorite characters have that too. One other one, which I'll save for the ending because it's kind of dumb. And then and then most importantly, they, they should have a name that's at least a little stupid because um, most of the names... <laughs> are at least a little stupid. Like like Bo, Natasa, Castaspella. Castaspella? Even Catra's kind You're of a lying dumb name, to me. honestly. Castaspella? I am not lying, and and they're voiced by the show's creator, Andy Stevenson. So there. Castaspella. Sorry, no, that's that's been Spinarella's voiced by the creator. Sorry, no. Castaspella is voiced by Sandra O. Oh. No one can see how hard I had to fight back bringing up that He-Man has the stupidest fucking naming conventions because I bring it up all the goddamn time and I literally had to push myself down to not be like, uh, uh, Moore the Internian Dentist, Stink or the Skunk Man. Now's your time, Devin. No, I'm asking you for it. You're so right, though. Yeah. Okay, here's my absolute favorite because I can keep going, like, Clawful or Evelyn or Triclops, but the best example is there's a motherfucker named Man at Arms and he has like a gun arm, right? And he has a brother who has a giant fist. And I would like to ask the group what you think the, the Man at Arms brother's name is. Is it Man at Fist? Um, it's uh, Fisto. Brother at Arms, Fisto. Okay, great. His name oh, is Fisto. <laughs> That sounds dirty. <laughs> I want to say that um, uh, Brother in Arms was a pretty good guess, I think. I think that that's a pretty... I was quick on my feet with that one. Just gonna... I always just... I was always just like, call him Big Fist. What do you... <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like, like a porn parody of Bigfoot. What if you like made like a like a superhero and you just like named him something like One Punch Man? You know, like something stupid like that. Something really fucking... Really obvious and on the nose. Nobody would buy it, you know? What if you had an X-Men character named X-Man? <laughs> there is an X-Man, actually. That's the joke. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, fucking Nate Gray, he sucks ass. <laughs> Charles, you're currently wearing a Catra shirt. 
um, a t-shirt that I'm seeing in front of you. Um, uh, you've, you've had your, your profile picture on Discord be a picture of Catra on many occasions. Um, what, what makes you interested in Catra? Tell me about Catra. Um, well, there's a few reasons. Um, there's, there's a overall kind of writing reason. There's a personal reason and there's a John prime reason. Mm -hmm. Um, from the first one, I liked how unpredictable she was like, especially early on in the show. Um, I think it's really cool when you can like know a lot about a character. Like it wasn't, there's never anything vague about her. You know what her, what she's basically like, what her weaknesses are, uh, you know, relative strengths, what she's been through. And you can know all of that. And still like in episode eight, when she goes, when she's walking up to a door with the sword, you honestly do not know what she's going to do. And I think that's really impressive when you can write a character like that. And all the way up to season five, when she finally, you know, you know, does something for a door and says, sorry, that was also unpredictable to me, but made perfect sense. Um, I think they really made that work well. Um, the personal reason is that she reminds me a lot of a very close family member who I will not name, who was going through a rough period a long time ago. And I kind of, I kind of sympathize in the way of like, even though like you're being a complete asshat, I don't want you to, to be worse. I, I just want you to get better. Mm -hmm. And I felt really kind of glad when she did it, it reminds me that you're never too far gone which is really important for for me to remember and um the john prime reason in john other prime in other words prior I, prior guest on the show john prime in other words the sign, kind of silly but not quite reason is that um everyone complains about her like oh she's so selfish she's so manipulative she wants to be loved but like only on her own terms and i'm like yeah cat you basically described every cat that has ever lived just the like a, a cat girl but not in like the like the cute ooh way but in the God, like no. knocking plants off of the shelf kind of a way the better kind of cat girl yeah i'm staring at my adora catra pin that's on my <laughs> vest and i'm like god they're so cute together um i just i yeah i hate it when people like complain about catra because like let fucking female characters be messy let them make mistakes and god i don't know there's there's that episode that like opens on katra and shadow weaver talking and ends on katra just being shadow weaver and it's so clearly telegraphing you that like she's become her mom despite herself it's just, she's such a well-written character and she's well-written because she fucks up and is selfish and hurts people because she is intensely hurt and has abandonment issues and like no self-esteem because her number one parental unit placed all of the praise onto Adora and like Shadow Weaver fucked these kids up because she only praised Adora and that fuck and so too did that fuck up Adora and it just Mm -hmm. they both make mistakes and that's what makes them good. Yeah, that that was also part of why I, I personally empathize with her probably more than I would have because something like that happened in my family and it's very true that that happens and it sucks but you know you can't be surprised at the at the results so um we are looking for a character who um has some kind of special power probably crosses the boundaries between are there are there more villains in the series is it pretty much just like the shadow weaver hordak gang and and horde prime too um okay. you know he's the ulti villain um, there are some other kind of like mooks on the villain side, like, I guess Scorpia, um, those three people who are always seen together. 
But um, in terms of like a team that you could be on, it probably is pretty much like the princesses of power versus the horde. The horde. Yeah, there aren't really any like third parties except like very briefly. Like there's that dude in season four who wants to sell like Seahawk for to the horde or something. But um, yeah, mostly I'd say it's between the the horde and the alliance. Did I just say the alliance? Sorry, the the rebels. Sorry, that Warcraft horde in my head. Um. Uh. So somebody with a power who jumps back and forth between the the horde and the and the rebels, and um. Uh. Who. So if no one has an immediate idea, this is a franchise where I have pre-existing OCs I am willing to offer up at the, <laughs> the, 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 the sacrificial table of existing outside of my brain and then being able to be shaped and molded by other people's thoughts and opinions. Give us whatever the least formed of your, of your She-Ra OCs are, and then we, yeah. can, we, can, uh, we can develop that one out some more. Let us mold them. So that... So that's difficult because when I said OCs, it's because I have a pair. I have a, a brother and a sister, um, and they are fully formed, uh, multi-long season arcs. <laughs> okay. So I'll give you. Then I'll give you the briefest. Give us, pitch. give us the like the simplest core, and we can go and make a character who is based on that core, but who goes off in a totally different direction than your OCs. So give up the idea that we are making these OCs. Just give us the basics as a starting point. Okay, cool. I am going to do a little more than the basic because I want to talk about them just for a second. So <laughs> I sat down and I went, who would I want to see in a Sierra show? And I went, too bad. Too bad's one of my favorite He-Man characters. What if I did too bad in the He-Man setting? And so the most basic fundamental thing I can give you is that you have a brother who is blue, sort of the calm collected one with a robot arm because that's fun. Uh, the sister who is purple and sort of the wild one. Uh, and I would have called them Hack and Slash because I'm a hack, Cute. and mm -hmm. that's just in the naming conventions of He-Man, and the character arc I envisioned for them was Hack, the, no, yeah, yeah, Hack, because he's got a robot arm. The blue one uh, is a true believer in Hordak and goes through a character arc where he's disillusioned about it, and Slash, the big purple one, uh, meets up with the princesses and like has a reverse entrapto where it's like, oh, these people are nice to me. What if we weren't Nazis? I'm kind of more interested in the blue one. What? How are you feeling, Arado? Um, uh, sure. I want to. Yeah. I want to follow your there, lead. There aren't a lot of true believers in the show, really, because Catra's already jaded. She's like, duh, we're the bad guys. You didn't know. So it would be interesting to examine that kind of character in this setting. Also, I'm a little less interested because in the purple one because Slash is a pretty badass name. It's it's way too cool for this show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it only makes sense if you combine it with hack. Yeah, it's true. We'll have to make hack a little stupider too, but that, that can wait till the end. So Charles, I, I, I'm really interested. I, I showed you the, the list of Chekhov's bullshit before this started, um uh, and you had a, a chuckle looking at them. Um were there any that particularly spoke to you? Um mm -hmm. spoke to me as like uh as as prompting elements for this character as as yeah. elements that a character could have in this setting but that the setting doesn't necessarily already imply and we could thus learn some interesting things about who this mm -hmm. character is from that place a, a true believer in hordak you know a disease maybe Ooh. well i'm thinking like maybe this person 
had a disease at some point, and maybe Hordak gave them the cure to it, and they're going forth into their life thinking that Hordak did it completely, you know, for altruistic reasons out of, you know, love for them, when what it actually was was that he didn't want to lose, like, another soldier. So it was purely for pragmatic reasons. And maybe when you realize that, then you feel a little less love for that person. Maybe okay. Let me let me. Oh no, go. Can I can I can I turn? I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the thing you're doing where I'm like yes and but um. So I love this and I want to keep it exactly like the same emotional beat. But what I want to do like to make it more within the show like Hordak that we follow right. He's dying, right? Like clone degeneration or whatever they call it. And Entrapped is the one who has to fix him. So what if the reason he fixed Hack was because, like, that would provide useful data to fixing himself? I really like that. That's really cool. Let me also add another thing to to mesh in with both of these. Because when Devin originally described this blue character, um, Devin, you said that he had a, a cool robot arm. And Charles, you said you were specifically looking for characters to have, like, superpowers. And so my thinking is this character has some kind of, like, a like a degenerative disease um, that Hordak is specifically... Um, uh, exploiting? Yeah, like, exploiting, oh. researching in order to... He's researching in order to, to do, like, to, like, help his own self. And um, I think that this is a... In order to research him more fully, Hordak isn't, like, like can't actually cure him. Because that would mean stopping all of this research that Hordak needs. And so instead, um, uh, he's offering him robot body parts as replacements for all the degenerative, like, limbs that are falling off or becoming defunct or whatever. And so our character becomes, like, more robotic over time as, like, a symbol for how he's given into um the fascism etc um I like that. Uh, but like hordak um just like bears all of the fruits of all of these like fallen limbs and like you get to see over the course of the series our character um becomes more and more robotics as they get more and more entrenched in like hordak's clutches mm -hmm. like the ship of theseus but but with fascism basically and and robot arms and robot arms yeah Devin, you're giving me silence. Is that is something not clicking there? Do we need to, to I, edit? I, I, li I like it a lot. The thing I wonder is, like, because Red Fang Hordak kind of has a redemption arc. Like, he's a bad guy, but this is, like, really sinister in a way that I don't know. Ring Like, I'm... I'm wondering if it rings true for how that character is okay. in the show. Because, mm -hmm. like, I love this bit. I think it's real. Like, if Mr. Sinister just did this in an X-Men comic, I'd be like, this is great. But I'm wondering if it, like, understands the assignment. You know what sure. I mean? Yeah. And I don't, don't think Catra would do it either. So is there either another villain character we want to put this on? Or is there a way that we can temper all the things that I just said? <laughs> like, maybe... Um, maybe... We could temper it by Hordak can't, in fact, cure cure our character. Hmm. The robot limbs were going to have to happen at some point anyway. It's just that in this instance, they conveniently um, uh, 
happen to support our metaphor and also you know in order to make them like more convincingly a part of the metaphor they're like scary <laughs> fashy looking robot arms yeah. instead of whatever like nice looking yeah. robot prosthetics that the princesses would give them actually i really like that i think that could that could lead to a really interesting contrast between like publicly hordex saying like like why why haven't i cured you like i have i have no reason to tell you that you know being all stern but in private he's like i honestly don't know being more vulnerable hmm. you know i think that could be really powerful does that make sense Devin? do you think i like that yeah I, I like this note great and then you get to have like just for like the sake of of emphasis we can have like some instances where um you like have some amputee characters among the princesses who like have um uh like a contrasting like functional prosthetics that are like normal and functional and then our character over here is sitting here with like the... as fucking clap traps on. Uh, exactly. He's got, like, he looks like clawful. <laughs> Just like the fucking like evil versions of these of these body parts that like clearly are not designed to be like functional, helpful parts of their day to day life. They're clearly designed uh, to look menacing and to be propaganda for the horde. Oh man, having your body, your actual body, be propaganda—that's mm -hmm. scary as mm -hmm. hell. Okay, this is this is this is a place to start for this character. What does what does this character like besides the horde? Like what's drawing them into it? Yeah, like or like like do they have anything that they are really like passionate about besides serving the horde? Any like any particular kind of person that they're drawn to? That kind of thing. Just just curious. If that's not how you usually do characters, we can, you know, do it a different so, way. So, I mean, personally, I feel like I tend to be a very... I'm, I'm a very top-up character creator and, and, uh -huh. and creative in general. Uh -huh. So, um, my my normal approach to you would be like, okay, we have this concept. Let's fill in, like, what makes this character a true believer? Um, how did they get there? And then, um, like, sort of fill the rest of it out as we, like, topple those dominoes. Okay, um, okay. That's that's fine with me, yeah. Uh, if you have, like, a like an interest or an affect that you immediately think is compelling to stick on this character, I'm totally fine <laughs> with doing that preemptively. It can wait. Let's, let's do the other stuff first. So then, yeah, my, my question is, this character is a true believer. I think this, this show we've talked about has, like, an understanding of, like, the internal psychology of characters and what draws them to do things, right? Katra and Adora, we, like, understand exactly why they've turned out to be the way they are and, and support the sides that they support. And um, you have this character here who's being also exploited by Hordak, um, but he's, like, not at all jaded about the whole thing. They've They've fully drank the kool-aid about all of this and i'm i'm wondering my the first thing i want to know about this character is how did that come to pass are they like a like a mentee figure of hordak were they inducted from a young age are they like someone who is like really politically invested in being in power in some way are they someone who the horde would normally target but they are taking advantage of um like their uh, the the quote unquote hospitality of the horde in order to keep themselves above harm. There's there's a lot of directions we can go here. I can see them being like the kind of person that the horde would target or would take advantage of. Um, may, maybe he's a really big people pleaser, but in the worst way, like a people pleaser mm. for the for the wrong kinds of people. Someone who like maybe has voices, a voice in their head, probably multiple voices in their head that are like, like you wouldn't want to like disappoint people, would you? You wouldn't want people to think that you're, yeah. you know, weak or or 
not fully invested in the cause or huh, a traitor, you know, you know, you wouldn't want to disappoint Hordak, would you? Or much less Horde Prime. You, you don't want to do that. I, um, I, th that kind of personality, I think, could be induced to do some pretty bad things. Um, I think, I think it could. I think that it has a lot of times. But, um, Devin, what do you make of that? Uh, this is a strange one for me because all of my go-to choices and decisions are very much based on, like, the hack who pre-exists as my OC, and I think trying to get away from that is the exercise of this, so I'm kind of this is waiting hack. Put a new for face more of them to be filled out. Let's, let's, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's cast this character immediately and you can be imagining someone else instead of imagining hack. Mm -hmm. Okay. Who's a who's a who's a voice actor who can play this character? Hmm. I don't know any voice actors. How how old is this person? Because that affects who That's I cast in the voice role. How old are the other characters? How old is Aradora and Catra? I think they're like sixteen when the show starts and Fuck. like nineteen when it ends. But That's I may be up. wrong. I mean, child soldiers is always a fucked up concept. I'm sorry. Are we allowed to, are we allowed to like swear on this podcast? <laughs> Yes, is the answer to your question. Yes. Okay. Fervent devotee of Hordak, Peppy. I don't know. You want to cast like freaking Danny Pudi in the role or something? From Community. <laughs> honestly, I actually he, he could voice a younger I, character. Wait. He he honestly could. I, he, he he's Huey Duck. I mean, yes, he's Huey. I I, I actually kind of love Danny. No, wait, yeah, no, I'm sold. I'm sold on this. Okay, Danny Pudi it is. So, um, does that affect how we build the character from there? Well, it helps Devin not see our character as, as hack anymore. Okay, now it's Huey from Frickin' DuckTales, which also has an amputee character, funnily enough. Um, yeah, anyway, um, so what are you thinking now, Devin? Hmm. Now I'm wondering if Danny Pudi can do Sinister. I think... I think he could. He vo he plays a char a villain character on Mystic Quest, kind of. Oh yeah. <laughs> when, he, when, he, when he fucking bribes the person, he's like, "You ever heard of Ducktales? I want a big pile of money like Scrooge McDuck, and I want to swim in it." <laughs> um, I think when when we were floating around Keith David's, like, well, that is someone who is like General Grievous. These are not like. These are upgrades to my body. I am actively choosing to make as a betterment to the horde. I think if you have Danny Pudi, you do like kind of lean in on more of the like, this is a child being taken advantage of. Yeah. Angle Definitely. of it, yeah. and I think yeah. it. And I think, I want. I want to know where this character ends. Do we think that they end like, de-radicalized, or do they? like lean into the tragedy of it and like they see like horde prime and it's like oh this is like i thought like no like because everyone meets horde prime and they're like this is disgusting but does our guy meet horde prime and is like oh this is the real shit i think this is a 100 percent in understanding the assignment question i think this is about what makes the most sense for she-ra and that's got to be one of the two of you mm -hmm. no one no character who's met horde prime ever was in awe of him everyone was disturbed even katra Especially Catra, arguably. This character could be the exception. It probably would be more realistic if they were somehow at least disappointed, if not outright disturbed by Horde Prime. But but again, I don't want to like have like an end-all be-all opinion. I'm open to other things. Yeah, I think if we're being 
true to the heart of the show, this character doesn't end on a tragic note because even Red Fang Hordak, like when he meets Hort Prime, is kind of like, oh, wait, this isn't what I remember it being. <laughs> My dad also hates me. <laughs> am, I, am I only loved by the princess? <laughs> Yeah, my so, dad hates me, and my second dad also hates me. It's a really terrible thing to learn. Yeah. So maybe it is like a like an R character has been like people pleasing his way into like supporting this cause and giving his whole body to this cause um, uh, for like the entire runtime of the show, and it's not until like Red Hordak reveals like his final like image for the world that this character like suddenly sees what he's a part of and like understands the 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 machine that he's in um so to speak and uh uh like it revolts in horror and and changes his mind and and stumbles away from the whole thing Mm -hmm. joins the rebels yeah that makes sense to me he uh He's been buying the line that Hordak sells of, like, we make things better. We advance technology. Look at all this cool, neat stuff we have. And he's like, yeah, I'm making the world a better place. And then when meets Horde Prime, sees it's like, no, it's not making the world a better place. It's making the world you. Not even that. Making the world destroyed. Yeah. 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 No, that makes sense to me, too. I think, and I think that could be a really powerful arc. Um, okay. And maybe lead to some humor too for them if they're like a really desperate people pleaser, right? Yeah. So, um, I I think that Charles, you just hit on on the next thing that I'm going to ask about because this is a really great dramatic arc, and also I know that in Shira all the characters are really goofy and funny, and they all have like this this funny affect to them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like except like I guess arguably, Horak himself, uh is is a is a non-goofy guy um but like even like katra she's got her whole cat girl thing going on um kind of so yeah. i want to know about i know i want to know about this guy's affect what he's like to be about around what kind of jokes we get out of him you could go two ways um if if he's a people pleaser in the sense of like teacher's pet you could get some humor out of him being like too serious even in like very goofy situations where that feels out of place or if if he's a people pleaser to like everybody in the horde, um, then you could get humor out of them being like way too pleasant and too happy in situations where it's really not called for. It's almost like a Scorpia thing, right? Almost kind of like Scorpia, yeah. Except um, yeah, there has to be like yeah. an off people pleasing thing he has with Scorpia at some point. Yeah, <laughs> like I can do this. No, I can do that. Well, I can do it better. Yeah, it's a uh, like. Catra walks into a room and Scorpio is like, I made your favorite tea. And Hack is like, I made several batches of your favorite tea and have also blah, blah, blah. And they just keep doing that <laughs> until Catra goes, both of you get out of my room. I think I think the difference of where it comes from is like. Oh, wait. Um, oh, yeah. Can I just can I add one Please. other thought? Um, I think Hack would be super into besting Scorpia. And I think Scorpia wouldn't even notice <laughs> that there was it's, a rivalry. It's a one-sided rivalry. <laughs> yes. That would be very funny. That would yeah. be funny. I think, like, it seems to me that Scorpia's, like, desire to please everybody comes largely out of, I don't know, like a, like a, like sort of a genuine interest in people and, like, a desire to bake everybody cake. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, whereas it seems like um, our character um, probably is going to want to do things nice to people because he is, like, afraid of getting in trouble, right? 
Uh, we have a character who is like both very menacing with all of his scary robot arms and also is like um, uh, very nervous and just wants to help everybody out. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, you know, sort of a, an, an Iron Giant played for laughs sort of a situation. I like that. Yeah. You know, until it's not. Yeah, like laughs. when you give him. When you give him, like, the Rob Liefeld four robot arms, they're like, doesn't that make you, like, unbalanced? And he's like, are you kidding? With all the stuff I get to carry with these four arms, I'm constantly balanced. Yeah. And he's just, like, yeah. carrying everyone's luggage. Yeah, exactly. Jo jokes on him, because Ketra's impossible to please. <laughs> and you probably get jokes out of that, too, right? You yeah. You probably get jokes of him just, like, trying desperately to please yeah. Catra. He's like a buffer for Kyle, for basically. Yeah. Kyle being that fail son with the blonde hair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. I think that's a pretty good character concept. Yeah. What what does he look like besides the robot arms? You said you said he's like blue. His like color scheme is blue. We can go in a new direction. Yeah. Yeah, because that comes specifically for me, like aping too bad. So we can we can do something different. Mm -hmm. What's a color that we never saw before on the show? What's a color that doesn't exist? No, just kidding. What if he's pink? Yeah, pink. Pink dude vaguely insect i was thinking insect i was i was thinking spider because i was thinking like what animal has a lot of limbs and uh, spider came up but make, make it a cute one because like you know scorpions are not as cute as like scorpia i want to give him like a like a shitty wispy mustache <laughs> oh god he's not he's not like an adult man he's a boy and he has a shitty wispy mustache I don't know if I'm okay with that. No, okay. Be mostly because I also had a shitty wispy mustache at like age thirteen. So did I, we all. I don't like being reminded of it. Not even in cartoons. <laughs> but Danny Pudi voicing him, a robot spider. I'm liking this a lot. Yeah, this is feeling good to me. Do oh. we? Do we? Do we feel like we're missing? What are, What are we missing before we ship it? Maybe, like, general relations to other characters. Well, we, we kind of covered a few of them. How would they interact with someone, like, on the rebel side? Would they just immediately shoot, or would they talk first, or, or what would happen, you think? Yeah, does their people-pleasing nature, does their sort of fear of consequence extend to the princesses? It might not, honestly. Oh, interesting. I was my instinct was to go the other direction. We have um, we have a couple of interesting directions to choose from. I guess Devin, that makes you the tiebreaker. Hmm. Could I hear the cases you were both gonna pitch? My case is that instinctively, like we said, that the reason that he fell into this in the first place is because he has a people pleasing type personality, and so it seems to me that his people pleasing is mostly probably about the people who are immediately around him, um, and if he's immediately around the princesses. Um, then he's gonna want to please them for basically the same reasons that he fell fell in with Hordak in the first place. Mm -hmm. And um, my reasoning is that I like this idea that people pleasing by itself is not a bad thing, but you need to be really careful about who you're pleasing or who you're working so hard to please. And I think if they are principally conservative Hordak, Catra, etc., they probably would take their advice more to heart and just say like shoot on sight. But then as their arc continues and they realize they should be putting their trust in other people then that's when the change happens but um i'm open to anything i'm more that one more that one okay it's, it is it is the slightly more nuanced take so i'll allow that i i feel pretty ready to ship it 
personally. Okay. Does the sh- sorry? Does the shipping come first or the free goofy facts? Shipping comes first. Yeah. Okay. I mean, um, if if everybody else feels ready for that, I'm fine with that. Yeah. I'm signed off to I ship it. Great. Then let's put the sound effect in. Amber, don't you love that sound effect? Oh my we god! Paused for my it. Don't horrible, you love it? Tell me how much you love years. it. Oh, Cartman oh. jumping in to tell me about Yowie. I'm indifferent. <laughs> It's Wendy. Cartman's not in that audio clip, you philistine. But anyways, hello everyone. Welcome to I Ship at the part of the show where we talk about a character's sexual identity, sexual awakening, sexual being, who and who they do not make a smooch with. And to get away, uh, like like I said, getting away from my original one, who Heike has a crush on Bo, I think this guy is into Double Trouble. Interesting. Um... Double Trouble is, like, the last person who I'd call a true believer in anything. Um, yeah, no, but, Double Trouble is, like, yeah. full-in self-interest. Yeah they, yeah, they are. Yeah, and it would tie in with my requirement that they can't be 100% straight. So, Oh, there, um, is, there is no universe in which our, yeah. our She-Rock character was going to be a heterosexual. Of course not, yeah. Who do you think we are? Who the hell do I think you are? So I think what I'd want to, you know, kind of belabor out in the course of this I ship it is like, what's the dynamic between Hack and Double Trouble? How do how do they flirt? Well, Double Trouble seems to flirt with just about anyone. Um, but how would Hack flirt with them? That's interesting. I can think I can imagine them either being really like oblivious that it's even happening, or maybe like acting like they're not really into it, but maybe, like, kind of responding a little bit here and there. I think for me, this is... Because one of the things I love about she is the reason I love you don't get said until the final season is because literally they were in the writer's room and someone said out loud, Hey, has any character said I love you yet? And they went, huh. We should have them do that. So I think it gets paid off in the final season. But I think what it is is that Double Trouble does the flirt thing and Hack just, like, doesn't register that is being flirted with. And, do- like, it gets under Double Trouble's skin. And so it just keeps doing it until, <laughs> like, the final reveal of, like, Oh, you've been flirting with me the whole time? Do you want kiss? We can kiss. <laughs> I-, I like smooch. And then Double Trouble gets to be the one who's taken aback for a moment because wasn't ready for it. Yeah, I, I like that. It would, it would also give... DT more to do, honestly, in the show, so I'd be open for that. I don't, like, I don't know who Double like, Trouble is, so like I sign this, off on all of like, this. I like the idea that like this, like this, DT is someone that Hack's people-pleasing skills won't work on, but then Hack is also someone that DT's shape-shifting like drama, try-hard drama kid thing also doesn't work on. So they can be kind of more genuine around each other, maybe? I, I actually really like that. Um, Double Trouble... Double Trouble is a shape-shifting, uh, lizardy kind of person. Um, they are first hired by Catra to infiltrate the Best Friend Squad, um, but then Glimmer sicks them on Catra. They give a huge, like, you suck speech to her at the end of Season 4. Then they go back to the Horde for Season 5, and then seem to kind of fuck off after that. Yeah, I love the idea that their defense mechanisms like self-on put big personalities just don't work on each other, which forces them to be more genuine around each other. I love that. You know what? I, I just kind of said it because I thought it was like visually I cute and interesting, it. but now I ship it. 
the catchphrase of the segment. You know, you've convinced me too, and I don't even like Double Trouble that much. I'd ship it too. All right. Do we feel up to one fun fact apiece about? I want to come up with a name that's not hack. I don't want to just take yeah, hack without and hack and slash. Remember, it's it's got to be a, at least a little stupid. And probably end in an ah, right? And if you want to, Dora, Catra, uh, Glimmer, all woman, woman. <laughs> Sorry, not actually, but the British accent makes it sound like Glimmer. <laughs> so, what's Hacka? the primary object that is like defines? this action figure right that's about, the question you have to answer yeah. and then you like spider <laughs> the action figure is obviously defined by the robot parts right yeah robot spider cute pink um I'm trying to think what would be a good name for that uh arachno arachna arachno arachno <laughs> Cause he's a he's a boy, and so he use O because it's a it's the masculine. How about Webby? <laughs> Just kidding. Webby. Ducktails Duck, Duck is coming up a lot too much in this Shira episode. Sorry. Um. This is our second Ducktails episode. Surprise. Arachno. Well, I mean, I I get what you're going, but like ending a ending a name in the in the word no sounds weird to me. Because it makes me want to say Iraq, yes. Would you guys like to know the name of the the spider villain in He-Man proper? Yeah, I do. Sure, yeah. It's Webstore. Webstore? Yep. Okay, definitely not that. That's that's <laughs> a little too much, I think, for me. All right, his name is Webford. Webford? Webford. Okay, I like that. Yeah, yeah, Webford. There we go. Webford. Yeah. Fun fact. Fun fact. Okay. One, um, one piece. Well, actually, this I'm gonna need your input on this one. Um, the only point I didn't cover earlier was that um, this character needs to have a unique way of saying the name Adora. <laughs> um, I've noticed that every character in Shira kind of has that, like, like you know, Catra says it all horny, like you know, like Hey Adora, hey, Adora. and you know, Shadow Weaver says it. She says the name like she's a little bit like disgusted by it, like like Adora, you know, and um and Bo says it like Adora. Webster says it like a question mark. He says it. Adora. Yeah, Adora. I like that. That's my fun fact. He's just constantly questioning that this person is named Adora. Yeah, the question the character who never questions the horde is constantly questioning the main character. It's a metaphor. It's like poetry. It's it like rhymes. putting a cigarette in your mouth and not smoking it on on the plane. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think that Webford um uh is uh like very into hydration. Um I think that he drinks a lot of water. I think he gets a lot of people glasses of water and tells them that they need to hydrate if they're going to be the most efficient warriors for Hordak that they can be. Um, uh, it's like part of his people-pleasing is like getting people water. Webford is a hydration bitch. I Webford's that. rivalry with Scorpia comes from the fact that they're like dueling clans in the... What the fuck is it called when you're... When, like, Arachna family royalty? 
like that's where the rivalry stems from and but 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 scorpio's like what i'm really bad at history i i don't know a lot about my family actually (laughs) that's in character yeah yeah (laughs) she has to be reminded like oh yeah the horde actually treated us like dog shit maybe i shouldn't stop maybe i shouldn't be with them yeah that moment where it's like i'm a princess i can activate the princess stone <laughs> so to be clear webford is like a distant cousin of scorpia sure is that what we're saying there very distant like like knife cousin twice removed maybe okay yeah, yeah. i'm saying they come from rival cla- fam rival mm-hmm. rival families because okay. she because she's yeah. scorpion he he's spider yeah royalty is always related anyway sure. so yeah my other fun fact is that someone in the writer's room kept being like, I really wanted to get him to say, how about a legion of spiders? But I could never I could never make it happen. And then that's a fun fact that gets revealed on Twitter. I think we do enough. We do enough Channel Awesome references on this show. <laughs> we need to do more of them. I would Channel Awesome OC that. win. So, I think that's going to be like our season six finale, to be honest with you. <laughs> that makes too much sense, actually. I really do. I think Make that's what's going to happen. a channel awesome OC. Oh, God. I think it's I think it's going to happen. It's like such like a foundational part of where we came up, came from as like media literate people. Like we're not happy about that, but it's true. It's just a true fact about us. And so I think that like building up to it as like a season finale makes a lot of sense as a thing to do. But I also know that we're not likely to do it. Like we're obviously not doing it this season. We're probably not going to do it the next season or even the next season after that. But by season six, I bet we could get there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that set up that set up baby <laughs> now that i've said it it has to be season six too <laughs> thank you everyone for listening if i'm not mistaken uh this has been an episode of original podcast do not steal does everybody agree that this has been an episode of original podcast do not steal can't argue with that <laughs> i wholeheartedly agree but i don't agree on what we're going to be talking about next week because it's I not think it should be, be gem- gemming the holograms. Ah, it's not gonna be gemming the holograms, Amber. It's gonna be damn it, something different. I'm gonna tell you how it's gonna work on air, and that's gonna be fun for everybody. Yeah. Okay. You you really don't want to talk about um gem. It's truly outrageous how much you don't want to talk about them. <laughs> I say that as I'm in my closet staring at my like complete IDW run of gemming the holograms book. Oh. I would say that okay. I am staring at it, but I recently moved it from my bookshelf in my room to the bookshelf out in the living room, so I can't actually reciprocate that. But I, you know, obviously also own the complete IDW run. Mm-hmm. Um, my name has been Amber Autumn, she, her. My name has been Charles Keezer, he, him. And Prince Devin, he, him. Charles, you want to plug your pluggables? Where can we find you on the World Wide Web? Well, um, you can find both of my bands on Spotify, uh, Gregular and uh, Cancer and Capricorn. Both of them are on there. Um, we're also on Bandcamp at our respective pages. Um, you can find me specifically on Letterboxd if, if you really want to. And um, yeah, um, I think that's about it. Yeah. Um, our theme music is by Kyle Alicia, whose work you can find at hollowrib.bandcamp.com. Um, thank you for listening. Please feel free to give us a like, a comment, a review, a heartfelt letter of gratitude, a reference to your friends, an email expressing your eternal love to us, or just check out our merch store um, where we will be selling slutty little booty shorts. Um, 
Just homoerotic <laughs> character designs. <laughs> yeah, homoerotic yeah. character I, I for bought, your homoerotic Halloween costumes. A bunch I of one. If, if a bunch crazy. of Rob Liefeld commissions. <laughs> I am built exactly like a Rob Liefeld. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the feet and everything. Okay. Um. Uh. Bye. Is it bye? I think bye.